With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. His name is Mike, Mike Murphy. Mike. And it is Tom, Tom Earth. Tom. Ooh, that was good. <laughs> we, could, we could come up with a like, little jingle like that. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, it is 8 o'clock, and that means, well, 8 o'clock on Thursday, I should say, and that means that you are listening to Bantering the Blue Shirts. I am Joe Fortunato, your wacky, zany host, joined as always by Michael Murphy and as usual by Tom Ertz, who is replacing Beth, who I believe is in the uh, the greater Maine area the next two weeks. She thinks she's better than us is what she There's does. There's bears. There's bears in that country, Joe. I, I have heard that you can drink the water off the ground in Maine. Not that you can't do that anywhere else, but that it's purified. That's how well, not pure the water is in Maine. Running water, maybe. Well, I, yeah. Well, you wouldn't drink stagnant water anyway. Don't. Well, you said off the ground. Don't don't talk Which to me like that. that. Okay, right. I'm sick and tired of this nonsense from you already. Um, you know what I'm not sick and tired of though is Blue Apron. Ooh, very very good. This podcast is hosted or sponsored, I should say, by Blue Apron. Here's the deal: you wake up one morning. You don't know what you want for dinner. You don't know what you want. Are you a Blue Apron subscriber? Do you go to blueapron.com slash blueshirtbanter? If so, you have very delicious meals delivered to your door, step-by-step ingredients delivered to your door, locally sourced food, beef, chicken, and pork from responsibly raised animals, seafood is sustainably sourced, and they deliver to 99% of the United States. If you are not a Blue Apron user, go to blueapron.com slash blueshirtbanter, and guess what? If you go to blueapron.com slash blueshirt, you will get $10 off. I will buy you three free meals. So go in, go to blueapron.com slash blueshirt, and you get three free meals with free shipping. You don't even get $10 off. You get more than that. For less than $10 per person per meal. You can do one of two options. You can do a family meal of two a week, or you can do three meals for two people a week. And they are very good. They have sent them to me, and I have eaten them. You can get fried fish. You could get 
burgers. You could get vegetarian meals. If you don't like lamb, just click lamb. They don't give you any lamb. If you love chicken, pick chicken. Do what you want. It's a free-for-all. You can do whatever you want. So go to blueapron.com slash blue shirt. The code is blue shirt. And you will love how good it feels and tastes to actually be a gourmet chef yourself. They give you everything except for salt. If you don't know what turmeric is, well, guess what? They're going to give it to you. That's it right there. And they don't give you stagnant water from Maine. They don't. They do, do not give you stagnant water from Maine. They give you. They give. I don't even think they or give bear. you water. To be honest with you, or well, I don't think they do bear meat yet because it can't be locally and sustainably sourced. But I'm sure if they wanted to, they could. So go to blueapron.com/blueshirt. If you do that, you'll be happy. You'll be eating like a king and slash or a queen, and who doesn't want that? Now, the New York Rangers. We are uh, in the midst of August, so these are uh, these are going to be some fun podcasts, I think. Yes, the real the real thick of it. Um, we already have a caller. Is that alarming? It's a little alarming. Well, let's let's see how someone the very seven three two. You are an eager beaver, and you are on bantering the blue shirts. Who's this? <laughs> hey, Mike, Joe, and uh, Tom. Hello, it's Paul. Um, I don't know if you guys remember me. I was on your episode four podcast where you guys took callers for the first time. <clears throat> Excuse me. It, uh, it sounds somewhat familiar, if it makes you feel yeah, any you better. Guys, and did you ruin it, Paul? Did you ruin the whole uh, thing? Was it uh, I tried not to, but you guys gave me an incredibly hard question. Was It was uh, whether to trade Rick Nash or... Keith Yandel at the 2016 trade deadline. Oh, that's right. We were uh, we were feeling pretty good back then, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, what did so, you want to talk about today? Well, I wanted to ask you guys a question because this has been, I guess, coming up a lot lately. It's regarding Kevin Hayes. Um, I want to know if you guys think that he's really a second-line center or you think maybe they should slot J.T. Miller in the second line and keep Hayes at the third line center position. I really am unsure. Paul, that is such a good question, and I swear to you that is exactly what we were going to talk about, regardless of whether or not you called. <laughs> so before we get into that, let me ask you what you think on the matter, and then we will tell you what we think on the matter. Um, to be honest with you, I would put J, uh, JT Miller at second, at second line position, and uh, I do... And I do know, though, that the Rangers are, I could say, a little less, have less depth in the forward position. So I was then thinking maybe we could sign some kind of free agent that's still on the market. But then again, I don't know who that would fit the Rangers system, if you know what I mean. I do. I do know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Discuss that. Well, um, you did not ruin this podcast, if that makes you feel any better. You, uh, oh, if anything, you now. enhanced it. It was so, sort of like you gave us steroids <laughs> because you, you helped f- propel us in the direction that we were going to go into anyway. But uh, I appreciate the call. You remember calling. Thank you. Um, You're very welcome. Yeah. Well, let's let's dig into this, gentlemen, which was legitimately going to be the first topic of the uh, show. So thank you, Paul, for leading us in that direction. Um, Kevin Hayes has been the source of quite a bit of discussion around the Rangers. Um, I, I feel like very few players go through this type of a roller coaster where they're the greatest thing in the world in the beginning and then they suck and they're terrible um, towards the end of it. And Kevin Hayes has kind of run the gambit with in, in regards to you did just it again. how many 
What? You did run the gambit instead of run the gamut. Gamut? <laughs> yeah, now you, you made that podcast. mistake on a previous podcast. You I'm going to continue to make the mistake. I'm going to continue to make the mistake. Run the gambit. I'm going to say it again. Run the gambit. Um, <laughs> what was I even saying? Ah, yes. Whereas all of a sudden people are really down on Kevin Hayes. And it it, yeah, it, it hasn't been like that for the most part. And I, I get it. There are bigger issues at, at stake here. But I think we have seen something of a little bit of a decrease in terms of the actual production that you're getting out of Kevin Hayes. Um, Tom did some pretty good work as – using statistics from natural stat trick to kind of figure out some of his even strength performance, which was one of the bigger calling cards to his game. So let's run through this very quickly. We're talking even strength, five on five stats, no power play, no shorthanded. So if things don't match, that is why. Um, In his rookie season, 2014, 2015, he had 37 five on five points. 15-16, 15-16, his sophomore year, he had 29. Last year, he had 26. So you look at that and you see a downgrade and you think, oh my God, he's not playing as well. And you might be right. But here are the statistics that stand out to me. Individual scoring chances for per 60. Rookie year was 7.1. Sophomore year was 6.7. Last year was 6.8. Individual scoring chances for just a raw number. 111 is rookie year. 104 his sophomore year, and 110 last year. So before the show, Tom and I were talking because Mike decided he was going to take forever to join us, and we were discussing that when the Rangers kind of ran cold towards the end of the year, had Hayes, and Hayes was deployed a lot differently last year than he was the first two years. I think Vigneault thought that he was going to be sort of this top six shutdown guy a la Derek Stepan, but he put up the same number of scoring chances. There just wasn't as much finish. And that's why sometimes you need to look at maybe the finer aspects of these types of deals or these types of situations. Because if you looked at his numbers, you would say, oh, he, he had 11 less five-on-five points last year. He was awful. Well, he had just as many scoring chances. He just didn't find the back of the net. Sometimes luck plays a factor. So, Tom, you put this wonderful thing together. I will allow you to uh, elaborate on this because... I'm a good person. So I guess the thing that I look at is you look at Kevin Hayes and obviously he comes in in, you know, 2014, 15. He's a guy that's... Are you typing like an animal on That was me. Yes. I'm, I'm a bad person. I, I'm aware I was of yelling you. At so you. as I told you last time, we have the private chat, and Mike told me that he wanted to go after me, and I gave Tom the right of way, and Mike was angry, and he was pounding on his keyboard, so I was just seeing if he was doing it intentionally or not. But, Mike, you have to wait now Ten because that was Tom agreed right. So go ahead, Tom. Fine. Go By ahead. all means. Yeah, don't let, don't let Mike ruin a good thing. But basically, you Look at Hayes' first year. Everyone's impressed. Like, wow, this guy sort of come out of nowhere that they sign as a free agent. And, you know, 45 total points. Following year, he follows it up. And, you know, there's a little bit of a dip. And people are sort of like, what's wrong with Kevin Hayes? Then this year, you know, he finishes one overall point from 50. And people are like, okay. So, with sort of the numbers that Joe was referencing – 
So 37 total points, five on five first year, 29 points uh, the second year, and 26 this previous year. You see a bit of a – but the thing that's interesting is if you look at it from a 60 minutes uh, standpoint, uh, Hayes had a, a bit of an increase, you know, by .09. He was shooting the puck more. And that sort of, you know, evidence with his, you know, his scoring chances for where the year prior, he was trying to be more of a playmaker, more of an assist guy. Um, that if you look at how he was deployed and using, you know, the sort of guide from, you know, that Rob Volman, you know, sort of puts out, Hayes was deployed as a top six shutdown forward and he struggled. 9.11% of his starts were in the offensive zone with the rest of that share being neutral zone or the defensive zone. So he was in situations where he was looking to, you know, prevent offense. He was looking to shut down. He was looking to do defensive minded things. Hayes um, and I, I was talking to Joe with this, you know, before the show, I think at his apex, he's like baby Joe Thornton. He's got that size. He skates pretty well for a dude his size. He's strong along the boards. He can sort of, you know, protect the puck and hold on to it, hold on to it, hold on to it, and then off his stick and onto another's. Um, so I, I would say that this year was a failed experiment by AV, you know, sort of casting him in that role to be a shutdown center. And if you put him in a situation where his, you know, his mode of attack is to be offensive and you pair him with, you know, wingers that are fast and can shoot the puck, I think you'll get pretty good production out, out of Kevin Hayes. Now, a hallmark of AV is you want to have that two-way ability, which is fine. Put Kevin Hayes as just shut down, shut down, shut down. Well, yeah, my my take on Hayes is I, end up, I just wrote um, an article for FanRag Sports about this, um, so I spent a lot of today uh, researching this, and I'm sure we all remember from uh, all the broadcasts that uh, Kevin Hayes lost 20 pounds and hearing all about that. Um, it turns out it was 20, it was 21 pounds actually, because he went gluten free. That's, that's what researching an article will do for you. You learn all these things that you just don't need in your head. But I now know that Kevin Hayes is gluten free. Um, what's so interesting about Hayes's last season to me was like you said, Tom, it, it, Vigneault is really trying to make him into something that I'm not sure that he is. I think this might be a bit of a case of, you know, the, the square peg in the round hole. And I'm, I'm a little worried with Stepan now gone that we're only going to see that get more intense because it's a really weird thing to think, but Hayes in terms of the forwards was either third or fourth on the team in shorthanded ice time per game. And that's a, a really peculiar thing for a guy who, like you said, is, you know, he's, he's a baby Thornton. He's a primary assist machine. He's six foot five. He's not fast. Everyone knows that. And so he's playing, I think it was something like a minute 30 every game shorthanded and his even strength ice time from last season jumped up just a minute. Um, and so but what was most interesting to me is this guy who's great at the first pass that creates a goal. And Hayes is ninth among forwards on the Rangers in power play ice time. And to me, that is just so counterintuitive 
in terms of like, all right, well, this guy has this skill set, and that skill set is his passes create high danger scoring chances. That's primary primary assist machine guys. That's what they do. And a guy who can hold on to the puck forever, like Hayes, I mean, you only need to watch Joe Thornton play one game to understand that Joe Thornton doesn't need to be fast to make an impact. But what's so interesting to me is that with Stepan gone, um, Hayes is now the center from last season's team who was the, the biggest guy on the, the penalty kill. And so, and we also know, of course, that DeArnay is not known for his, for his PK. So I think we might see what, what Tom was saying, like trying to fit him into that role that might not be for him. And uh, Tom just pointed out that Hayes averaged more time on ice last season than Stefan. So with Stefan gone, that's more ice time that needs to be filled. Um, I'm not sure we're going to see Hayes leave that role on the PK. And that's uh that's, I'm not sure that's the best thing for Hayes. Like Tom said, I think, you know, if he, if he's on that second line playing with Nash and, you know, playing with, you know, VC or whoever the heck is on the, that other wing now, um, just a question of his ice time going up, he'll have more points. But it's a weird thing to think that seven of Hayes' points last season came shorthanded. Um, that's, it's a lot of points, but that's not where I think he's that's not where he can do what he can do best it's an av special too to try to force a guy into a role that he's very clearly not ready for and when you look at maybe some of these conversations that we've had about say tanner glass or more notably dan girardi or nick holden or mark stall it's sort of AV kind of hoping and praying that his player, who he thinks can be a player X, is really player Y. I don't think anybody looked at Kevin Hayes and thought, God, that guy's got the defensive prowess to be, you know, the next Bergeron. And, and that's sort of not that the expectation is for him to turn into Bergeron, but be that kind of top six two-way center with, with respect to what we expect uh, Elias Anderson to be. So you try it for a little bit, great. You try it for a lot and it doesn't work, well, that's where you kind of run into sort of this issue because ultimately Kevin Hayes is going to be a very important part of this team next year. The Rangers don't have a ton of center depth right now. Even if Anderson makes the team, he's going to be a bottom six center. That leaves Kevin Hayes and Mika Zibanejad as your top two centers. You can't have Kevin Hayes not putting up points. And the way that he was deployed, the way that he was utilized, definitely took away from the amount of offense that he was going to bring to the New York Rangers. And that is sort of a problem. Vigneault has shown an inability to adjust to his veterans. When it comes to some of the youth on the team, I think he's done a little bit of a better job. But we're still looking at a guy who gave Nick Holden and Mark Stahl all that time in crunch time in the playoffs. We're still looking at that guy that played Kevin or Tanner Glass over um, Pavel Buchnevich. We're still talking, you know, whatever it is, we've talked about it before. Kevin Hayes needs to be given an opportunity to thrive on offense next year. This cannot be the whole, oh, well, you know, we'll see what happens and we'll see if we can't get him into that role. You have a guy like Rick Nash who is an unbelievable two-way player, 
that you can utilize there. You have a guy like Matt Zuccarello who can do kind of the same thing. There are plenty of players who have very good possession numbers that can help lift Kevin Hayes out of having to worry about playing defense. And if you're going to move JT Miller to center, then you have another problem to worry about. So I think what the Rangers need to do is they, and Tom is talking about it in our little chat right now, rely on the wingers. You have Nash, you have Miller, you have Fast, you have Grabner, who you can run on the PK, and you can put them pretty much anywhere you want and hopefully have them be able to handle the defensive responsibilities. And then you let guys like Kreider, you let guys like Zibanejad, you let guys like Hayes kind of flex their wings a little bit. Buchnevich and VC and whatever it may be, that's the way that you need to utilize these opportunities. And that's the way that very good teams kind of add, I guess, flavor, if you will, or maybe a safety net to allow these guys to spread their wings. Kevin Hayes is going to make mistakes. He's going to screw up. Sometimes he tries to do too much with the puck. It happens. But when it does, there needs to be some type of a, hey, listen, this is the way that we're going to protect this. We have a guy like Grabner with him. We have a guy like Nash with him. We have Zuccarello with him, whatever it is. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I, I just want to steer it kind of back to the question we started with, which is do we see Hayes as that second-line center? And I think my answer to that is I think Tom and I, at least, I'm pretty sure you're there too, Joe. He's the – I mean, Zabinajad is obviously, you know, it's, it's his job on that first line. And I think it's a case of the second line in Hayes. It, it's his job to lose kind of a situation where I think he would have to do something pretty dramatic to lose that spot. Um, I, I don't think it's Miller that will be there, and I don't really want Miller there. Um, I, have a lot of, I have a lot of mixed thoughts on Miller. I think he, he's a really like, interesting player that seems like he's kind of cut more from like a – like if John Tortorella had a factory that created players, I think he would really like a guy like JT Miller to come out of that factory. Um, he just has like a, something of a swagger to his game, but often his game is pretty meat and potatoes and it's about effort. But there's often things he does that leave you scratching your head, especially with some of his zone entry stuff and his decisions with the puck along the boards. But um, I am pretty convinced that, it's got to be Hayes there, but I also, you know, like I think it was Paul our caller, right, where he asked, you know, if what else is out there in free agency, and with Mike Fisher retiring today, actually, which is kind of relevant, there are there are seven centers left in U- unrestricted free agency who had ten or more points last season. We're it's it's August. We're at the bottom of the bottom of the barrel here. It's Matt Cullen, Mike Ribeiro, Daniel Winnick, Ryan White, Chris Vandevelde, Chris Riley, and Joseph Cramarosa. There's a reason none of those names made you excited. It's because they're not guys you necessarily want on your team. Go ahead, Tom. Winnick kind of excites me, for what it's worth, as a bottom six option, not as anybody who's going to step in in a top six. but Yeah, but not a third line option. So Reed Miller potentially going and being a center again, I think that would be a huge mistake. I mean, you're looking at a guy who had his best, you know, the best season of his career off the wing 
you know, 56 points in 82 games. I would say that the reason why they think K-Center is as the year went on, Miller just had these these instances where he would just make these amazing passes that would lead to a goal or would lead to a great scoring chance. I mean, the last two years he's played in every game. He scored 22 goals in each season, shooting, you know, 16.3% in 15-16 uh, and 16.7% of this past season. And then if you go one year back from that, 10 goals in 58 games, shooting 10.9%. So, you know, framework, he's shooting, you know, double digits, whether that's sustainable or not. But um, I just think you got to keep Miller on the wing. He's sort of developing into a guy that, you know, will go to the net. You know, he'll sort of try to go in a little bit, go after his own rebound. Um, It would send the wrong message, in my opinion, if you take a guy coming off a career, making strides in a spot. You say, you know what? We drafted you as a center. We're going to move you on over. Um, because then, okay, then if he goes to the wing, does that, or, or he goes to center, does that mean that Hayes goes back to the wing? And then what happens if you have this sort of mishmash of switching in and switching out where it makes sense to say, you are a center, you are a winger, that's where we plan on playing you. Um, you know, if you struggle, you're going to work through it. And those become the questions that, Vigneault is ultimately going to have to deal with. Don't forget, we've made a dramatic 180 from where the Rangers were last year. Last year, we were having this conversation about the defense. Hey, listen, there's plenty of forward depth. We don't know what we're going to do with all the forwards that we have. We're going to have to throw some of them in the trash, and that's awful because they deserve a spot on this team. That's how good they are, and that's how you know forward we are in terms Poor of Poor Brandon Peary. Forwards, right. Brandon Peary and Matt Pumpler are great examples. And now... It's the flip side of that. We have too many defensemen. We don't know what to do with all the defensemen that we have. And now we don't have enough forwards to do what you want to do with. And there is an idea of the New York Rangers maybe having to get a little creative with their center position. Tom just brought up the fact that Alex Kerfoot from, he's a New Jersey Devils draft pick who's going to test free agency a la Jimmy Vesey. Um, and was a teammate of Jimmy Vesey's at Harvard, is going to be a free agent. Adam talked about him potentially being an answer for the New York Rangers. Um, Elias Anderson very well could make the New York Rangers, as crazy as that sounds. Um, I don't think there's a ton of options in Hartford. We're going to very briefly touch on Adam's overall um, prospect rankings at some point, but you're really dealing with what you have here. And I think Miller moving to center, I agree with you, Tom. You, you, this is another example of you'd be forcing a, a square peg into a round hole. You have a guy who just had a career year at the wing. Why are you going to move him to center and, and mess with that, basically, harmony that you've created for him? So, And again, who's to say that Kerfoot is going to be the greatest thing in the world either? But there is an opportunity here for the Rangers to, A, continue to get younger, and B, kind of force themselves into this. We, we may not be all that strong down the middle, but we're a hell of a lot stronger than we were in August, which is kind of where the Rangers are right now. Um, I just don't – Tom and I were also talking about the potential of maybe the Rangers having more of a diabolical ideology behind the way that they used Hayes to kind of keep his numbers down to keep his contract a little bit less expensive or 
drive Miller's price down by moving him to center. This way, if he has a bad year, they don't have to pay him as much. I don't think the Rangers are smart enough to do something like that, and I don't think a team would actively ruin an opportunity to – I mean, you don't know what that's going to do to a player's confidence, but it's not the uh, – I suppose it's not the craziest thing in the world. Um, total tinfoil hat. Total, total – yes, absolutely. There's absolutely no evidence to suggest that, and logic would dictate that that is absolutely not something that the Rangers would, uh, would ever do or any team would do. You don't want to destroy your own players. Uh, anything else either of you want to add about the current center situation? Uh, the only thing I would bring up maybe is there might be a little less pressure to try and make Miller that center with Anderson here. And uh, he's already looking kind of like he could challenge for an NHL spot. Um, and I, and I, I agree with Tom. I think Miller kind of belongs on the wing. And maybe I'm really just saying that because we've grown accustomed to that being where he plays. But um, I, I really think it's a there is a pretty big difference between playing center and wing in the NHL in terms of you know getting a because de- obviously Miller played center before he was a Ranger, but getting used to their their defensive responsibilities playing center is a pretty big difference for a guy who's, you know, been in the league for several years now and has been on the wing for the vast majority of the time. And especially if you're going to be on that second line, because if you're on that second line, you're playing other guys who are pretty good. It's a lot different than playing third line center, which is where he might be. If you're playing third line center, you're normally not going to, your mistakes normally aren't going to end up in the back of your net. And it's a, it's a huge mental shift too you can't and I think we saw that with Hayes a little bit as well where he was sort of in that oh my god I need to become this defensive player mold and then you see guys maybe not take the risks that they normally would Kevin Hayes is an absolute magician with the puck I mean there are times that he does things that just make your head spin and those opportunities exist from him having the creative juices flowing if you will and it, it sort of stifles that to have them say hey listen we need you to focus on making sure that you're the first guy back on the back track you're the center you are the guy who needs to be back in terms of the forwards the wings are going to be behind the net you can't be there it, it just it takes a lot out of a center anyway and to put him in a position where he is the first line of defense as a as a, basically a two-way center it just totally changes the dynamic of things and Listen, I would love more than anything in the world for Kevin Hayes to be that player. They are so, the Bergerons of the world are so rare. The Anzi Kopitars, those types of players are so rare to have. But if you don't have it, you don't have it, period. End of story. There's really, I don't understand what the, the, I don't understand what the, I get the allure, but I don't understand why it would be a continuous attempt to try to make something like that happen, if that makes sense. So, Yes, I, I fully agree with both of you that I think I'd like to keep Miller on the defensive side, of, on the um, wing side of things, and I think I'd like to keep Hayes away from the. Uh, I think I'd like to keep Hayes away from that that kind of role that he was forced into last year. So, since we mentioned VC, we're going to move to the next topic, which is basically 
sort of not just what to expect out of VC next year, but just kind of what his role is going to be. And, and there's definitely questions about that. Um, VC is another guy that it, five on five, his numbers were relatively spectacular. I mean, 122 individual scoring chances for all this data, by the way, was put together by Tom um, through natural stat trick. So if you're wondering where it came from, that is where it came from. Um, individual scoring chances, he had 122 last year. Now, granted, he played almost every game, so keep that in mind when you're uh, when you're comparing that to other to other like Buchnevich, for example. If we get to it, only had 47, but he also did not play in a ton of games. So, and his 5v5 points per 60 were off the charts uh, at a 2.1, whereas VC was at a 1.2. But I don't know what kind of VC hit the the wall that we expect from an NCAA player. Uh, oh, yeah. Remember that guys who come out of college are uh, accustomed to even the best of players on the best of teams are only playing about 40 games a year, if that. So the jump from that to an 82-plus playoffs grind in the NHL is remarkable. And you see a lot of these guys hit that wall, and I think we saw that with Jimmy D.C. But, Mike, if you, uh, if you were looking to kind of pinpoint a role that you think V.C. is going to fill, what do you think it would be? VC is is an interesting case to me, um, kind of because I think you can't escape the, you know, who do you like, Buchnevich or VC? Because they were the two rookie wingers, you know. Uh, obviously, Buch is much younger, but they're very different in terms of Buchnevich is a guy who I think creates a lot of offense. He's great at moving the puck. He can do a little bit of everything. VC is definitely one of those guys who just has a nose for the net. He likes to shoot. He knows how to finish. And I think that is going to be his role. What's interesting to me is with Stepan out of the picture, VC has kind of an opportunity to carve out a bigger role for himself in the Rangers offense. With that being said, he's not your typical sophomore. You know, he's, he was 23 in his rookie season, and you know he, he's definitely one of like you said, Joe. That when he hit the college wall, if you had never even heard of you know the the college wall theory before, you you could have seen that there was definitely something that happened to him. You know, I was going to say, around even a theory where, at this point, I feel like it, it has to be relatively no, it, it's proven, not a, right? Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's one of it's like a general theory in terms of you know like pulling the goalie and things like that. But the college wall is one of those theories that's more like a rule. It happens to almost everyone except players who are, you know, conditioned like, like monsters. So I, I'd like to say that we'll see VC improve just because I think he's going to work really hard. And, you know, there is a featurette on MSG about, you know, what he and Hayes, ironically enough, have been doing this off season to prepare. And, you know, obviously something he needs to work on is that is that just endurance for that grinding schedule. And the Rangers, of course, are a team that if they're not in the playoffs, it would be a massive disappointment. It would be a catastrophe. What VC needs to do, I think, is just work on consistency in his offense. Because I think, like you pointed out with his numbers, there's more than enough there to be excited about what he can do in terms of production. Um, I think he's great at things like, like puck battles along the boards, even though he's not a very physical guy, 
he seems to be one of those guys who has a really, really strong stick and he's confident in winning pucks away from people. But uh, I, I would love to see him find a way to be consistent in his scoring in the way that we like to expect to see like a top six winger, you know, find that consistent scoring. So more than just goals. And I think that that's a big part of VC really to me is, you know, it's the 16 goals last season is like, Oh wow. 16 goals from a rookie. That's, that's great. 11 assists. Oh, okay. We kind of understand what's going on there, but a really important number and it's just a basic number, but a really important number for VC is five power play goals. It's, Towards the tops on the Rangers, the Rangers never didn't have the one guy who kind of ran away with power play goals. Um, the other big number for him will be improving on 116 shots in 80 games. VC is there to be pulling the trigger. The Rangers, even with Stepan gone, the Rangers have plenty of guys who think pass first, and I think it'll be to to VC's benefit to kind of be a trigger man and develop his shot and develop that nose for the net he has. And that's where I think his, the best option for VC's career would be that trigger guy. And I think that's a great way to put it because you can see with VC, he, he does a lot of really smart things with the puck. He does a lot of really good things with the puck. He's, he's a very underrated distributor. He has a pretty good shot. There's not a lot to be unhappy with when it comes to VC's game. But you can also see, and I know this is it's such a general thing to say, he tries to do too much a lot. And VC isn't the greatest puck handling player in the world. He's not the, the most skilled player. He doesn't have the best hands. And when he's in tight, you know, Matt Zuccarello is a really good example or Rick Nash, of a guy who has ridiculous hands in close. They can do all sorts of things that you could never even think of, and they get away with it. VC's not that player, and that's not a knock on him. There are a lot of players who aren't. VC almost reminds me of a Kreider light, just this guy who can be a trigger guy. He maybe doesn't have as good of a shot as Kreider, but he might be more capable of, because he can't rely on his speed the way that Kreider can, a guy who gets the soft spot on the ice and rips the puck, a guy who might be really valuable on the power play. And for a player that you're basically getting for a lottery pick, right, the Rangers didn't even use a draft pick on him. They just signed him last summer as a free agent. I, you could not ask for anything more out of VC than to be that player. Even if he's a 2015 35-point guy the rest of his career, you've won. You've won because you got him for nothing. And those are the types of, of deals that the New York Rangers have managed to make that have made an enormous difference to this team and this farm system considering until this year they did not have a draft pick for four years in the first round just these types of players the kevin hayes of the world the jimmy vcs of the world it makes an enormous enormous difference uh tom we haven't heard from you in a while what are your thoughts on vc i mean see and at least me personally i see him there on this team if you're looking at it from a winger perspective you say Rick Nash, Chris Kreider, and Matt Stuccarello are three of your top four wingers. It becomes a competition of is it Jay, is it Pavel Buchnevich, and then uh, you know times we saw last year, Jimmy VC. So whereas you know VC had a lot of hype because he won the Hobie Baker, he was a and 
you know, people were sort of like doubting him early on. Like, you know, who does this guy think he is? And he was going to be this bust. And then, you know, he showed that he could be, you know, a decent player. Um, your assessment of him, you know, if he can be a 20, 15, 35 guy, because, you know, I look at like Jesper Foss, right? 21 points in 68 games last year, 30 points in 79 the year before. Um, as, you know, better offense ability to execute than a Jesper Foss. Um, so I could definitely see him in that mold. Um, thing that I look at as VC is where, you know, he was being heralded as, as like, okay, wow, you know, 27 points on the year, 16 goals, and, you know, all these numbers that you threw out. But, like, you know, just to pivot a little bit, 41 games, and he had 20 points. So seven points in, you know, 89 games. You know, so pretty much halved, yet – to make mistakes like you said you know sometimes you would do things you know you know do try to do too much and that was never reined in you know he he just played he played he played whereas there was more of a leash there it was yes he was injured so that sort of threw him out of the rotation but he wasn't given as much leeway even though he was a more explosive player he has a much higher ceiling and from a playoff perspective that much was one of their best players. Now, granted, VC also turned it on in the playoffs. He plays that playoff brand of hockey, that hard-nosed hockey, where he was sort of getting in the middle of things, and you know, people were trying to face wash him, and he was just sort of dealing with it. Um, be a really good third liner for the Rangers, and if you just look at all the forwards they have, mm-hmm. have really good guys on your third line, and that's huge advantage for them, which to mask their center depth, their strength of their wingers, and then you factor in the line and I think a little bit better spot than we might be thinking. I like the the Buchnevich-VC comparison is a really good one too because for whatever reason, this became a really big talking point during the year. I don't know why, but it's just the media hype up that well, right, but it was like it has to be between VC and Buchnevich. And VC's yeah. a good American boy. He's a North American player. Like Tom said, hard nose, north south, gets in people's faces, doesn't give a shit. Buchnevich is he's a European player. And there's that's not a knock on Buchnevich. It's just he's a European player. He's Russian. That's the deal. And Buchnevich is a wildly more explosive player. Wildly more explosive than VC is. If you could only pick one of them, you're picking Buchnevich because he is simply a better hockey player. And yet there are still people out there in the media and fans who think that VC is the better player. He's the player that needs to be protected. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up, Tom mentioned the leash and the AV leash is one of the great mysteries of the friggin' universe. Who gets what? Why do they get it? Who gets to do what they want? VC could do whatever he wanted. There was no, absolutely no, it was no holds bar. There was no reeling him in. There was no, uh, he's not making good decisions with the puck. There was no, oh, we need him to make the high percentage plays. It was very simply, this is, he could do whatever he wants, and it's fine. And VC kind of found himself a little bit in that role. Buchnevich was never given that opportunity. 
And you can see the difference. Even so, Bushnevich was a wildly explosive player. And like Tom said, one of the best players the Rangers had in the playoffs. But those types of situations change the way that a player looks at himself and changes the way that a player acts. And Bushnevich even admitted in his interview that he didn't really know what his role was, and that impacted the way that he played the game. So when you look at that, you take a look at, at everything else. Jimmy Vesey has the opportunity to truly become something the Rangers need, that every team needs. Those, those bottom six players who maybe if you call him a top nine player, he's on the bottom end of that, a third line player. Those are like the Ruslan Fedotenkos who scores 12 goals in the playoffs or whatever it may or may not be. That is what you're, you're potentially dealing with for a player like this. That is potentially what you're getting in VC, And you're getting it for nothing. Mike, go ahead. I know you wanted to add something. Well, yeah, I think it's, you, you've raised a pretty good point. And that, that to me is that this doesn't have to be you get in the Buchnevich camp or you get in the VC camp. The Rangers want and need both of these guys to succeed. But I think what a lot of people who might be critical of Vino would like to see is like to see the leashes a little bit more even. And I know that they're not starting at the same place. Buchnevich is a younger player. There's a language barrier. Uh, there's there's a lot not more, I'm sure. Pres- <laughs> well, yeah, well, not for crides, but there's, I'm sure, some sort of perception that, you know, because of VC's pedigree and everything at Harvard that, you know, he's a more complete or mature player in some way than Buchnevich. But you're absolutely right, Joe. And if we're comparing them directly, it's VC, I think, is already there for that, that third line guy who can contribute offense. I, I think he can already do that, even with some questions about you know, what his gas tank is like in terms of the season. But Buchnevich can can legitimately be a top six scoring winger, the sort of player that teams everywhere need, and, they, and more importantly, they need to develop. And I think it's going to be so important to see Vigneault and Gorton kind of collaborate to do do better by Buchnevich this season because – I can't imagine this kid will stomach another season of getting jerked around and watching the majority, like watching too many games from the press box and, you know, conditioning trips to Hartford. And, you know, I know that the back was an issue and the injuries stuff was an issue, but when we're just talking about potential here between them, I think VC can look like a little bit of a better version to what he is now. I think Buchnevich can be like close to being a star player. That's how effective he can be. Uh, I absolutely agree. That's how good his vision is. Absolutely. And, and that's more or less what we're talking about is losing those. Like you don't want to take that opportunity away from a guy who can help you. And, and look, there are, there is at least a semblance of defense when it comes to Vigneault that the Rangers did have a lot of options at forward last year. There was a lot of play. They wanted to see what Peary could do. They wanted to see what Pumple could do. There was a lot of opportunity logically for him to maybe sit Bucinevich every now and again. The back issue was another thing that definitely contributed to that opportunity. But down the stretch, when VC was basically begging for time off, not, not literally, but you could just see he needed a couple of games to rest himself. It was Buchnevich who was sitting. And it's this, and I, I really do hate to say this, but it's true. It's this European phobia of, 
oh, VZ's a good old American boy. He's going to, you know, he's going to play the game the right way. Buchnevich is a little bit more, uh, I don't know if you want to say finesse or whatever it may be, but Pavel Buchnevich, like you watch highlights of him, I, you just get excited. There, he does so much with the puck that you just, you can't teach. He, it, he almost put a, he's just a, a better hockey player. He's the type of lottery ticket everybody wants because you've already scratched off two of the four, whatever, and they're both cherries, right? You got to max three cherries. You, you already got, you're already 66% of the way there. He's played a polished game overseas as a teenager against men in the KHL. He spent a year here and did really good things with the New York Rangers. And you don't give him an opportunity. I don't know. And everybody says it. You're not the coach. You don't know. Oh, my God, you're so negative. I don't know how you look at Buchnevich and think, I don't want that guy on the ice. And like Tom said in the chat, Buchnevich helped them win the Montreal series and then did not play against Ottawa. It's not, it's just not the way that this needs to, it's not good. It's just not a good way to go about this at all. Um, anything else you guys want to add on this subject? The only thing no. I would say is, <laughs> the only thing I would say is, you look at it and, you know, not to get too far ahead, but, you know, if you're thinking of this from a, a future-proofing standpoint, if you look at it from a development and setting things up for the horizon, he may not be the player he was when he was traded here, but, you know, Rick Nash is a UFA, you know, at the end of this year. Um who's sort of trying to scratch the door of, of 30 goals. Uh, you know, Grabner did that last year, but, you know, unlikely to do that again. Um, and out, who is going to be, you know, the guy that's carrying your team's scoring goals? Um, Kreider, be that what guy. I I, well, yeah, Cry, outside of Kreider, um, it's sort of, uh, I think Buchnevich can be that guy as well. Um so you got to give him every opportunity this year to prove that he can't instead of sort of, all right, he made a mistake, you know, we're going to rein him in. Um, going back, there were, you know, like the comparisons of, you know, him in the KHL and then, you know, his first year, you know, vis-a-vis with him, you know, with uh, Kuznetsov and Tarasenko and stuff. like. Um, and the numbers were in a ballpark that would make you think that, you know, Buchnevich could be onto something, and I'm really excited to see what he can do this year. I just hope that he's given that opportunity to show what he can do. Yeah, and shame on the Rangers if they don't give it to him. Honestly, shame on them because he is shame. He's as ex- sh- yeah, shame. Just like the uh, the Game shame. of Thrones scene, just shame. Absolute shame. shame because there he is exactly what you want out of a prospect. Honestly, he's exactly what you want out of a prospect. Um, Mike, you sounded like you wanted to say things. I was just saying shame a lot. Just shame. Shame, shame, shame. Trying to be the guy, like a fun radio guy who just brings up pop culture references. That's interesting. As usual, you have uh, totally ruined the podcast. Like Snooky ruined the the Jersey Shore. I don't see. I don't do pop culture. Mike is... uh, He's in Jersey, so he's as close to the Jersey Shore as he will ever be. I'm on the Jersey Shore at the moment. He's, yeah. he's physically, he's on it. He's in it. Inside of the Jersey Shore. Um, Hartford. You want to talk Hartford? 
Yeah, let's talk some Hartford. Actually, that was one of the things that was in the uh, the title of the podcast. Probably means we should talk about it. Hartford has gone through a oh. a, a total overhaul of coaching. Hopefully, a total overhaul of the and way the that the organization too. treats them. Yeah, um, completely different. It, it's and it's a good thing to see because we, we've talked about just how horrible having a terrible, terrible <laughs> AHL team is for the overall health of a, an organization. You, you don't see a ton of Stanley Cup winning teams that have the worst AHL team ever. And I think Hartford was historically Meanwhile, bad. You see the Penguins call up guys like, you know, Gensel and Sheary and, you know, it's having a good AHL team makes you a strong NHL team. You're able to find affordable players who you can plug. I mean, it helps when you, you can put, you know, an AHL scoring winger on a line with Crosby. I mean, that helps a lot. But there's definitely something to, you know, the fact that teams like Washington and Pittsburgh have great AHL teams. And then we see these, you know, these guys come up and fill these roles and be, you know, cost-controlled and effective. And the Rangers haven't been able to do that. And just the having guys down there who can step up would be just lovely. Not to say that the Rangers didn't have anyone. I mean, Jensen was a guy who kind of came in and out. Rivik was a guy who came in and out. But there wasn't a ton of meat and potatoes, if you will, down in the farm. So getting guys – and I I hate to keep bringing this up, but like Tanner Glass played first-line minutes. Stromwall and Kovacs. And Kovacs at the time was probably – the Rangers' top prospects was on the fourth line. You, you can't, like, there's no, what do you even say at that point? What, what do you even do? What's the goal there? The goal should, and furthermore, the team is awful. They're awful. So what are you protecting by doing something like that? And like Mike said, Rivik and Jensen are both gone. Goodbye. As usual, the New York Rangers Back. are there, there's plenty of people. There's plenty of players in the AHL who are going to be nothing but AHL players who are never going to come up to the New York Rangers, and that's okay because every team has that. Who make the team better? Some some AHL just dominant players. Beck is a good example, though I don't think he's with the team anymore. Some of the guys that the Rangers signed who were yeah, okay, he uh, went to he went to the KHL. Yeah, the, the, this just obviously Hartford is just Both pushing pushing people away from them is, is seems to be what's happening here. Um, and, and that's more or less some of the issues that the New York Rangers have, have had not to say that that would fix everything, but it certainly would help to have just some semblance of a team down there. And they have a new coach, they have a new assistant coach. It looks like they've made some adjustments to the way that they're going to run things. Anderson very well could find himself there. Uh, Heitel. How do we how do we agree that that needed to be said? Keitel, 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 Keitel. Yeah, he uh, he may find himself down there. Who knows how that's going to work out? So my brother calls him my brother calls him Cheadle, and so I'm going to start calling him Don Cheadle. Uh, all right, that doesn't sound like that's going to be the greatest. I was calling him Keitel, but apparently you got to get the C H sound, that European sound. Um, Heitel, 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 something like that. 
Anywho, he may be over China. there. The Rangers have a, probably a couple of other deals that they can swing to get somebody over there. Um, I have a funny feeling they'll be involved in some waiver wire pickups early to kind of help that system. But the, the Hartford Wolfpack are a very different team just mentality-wise. I don't know if they're going to be a better hockey team than they were last year because you are losing Rivik and you are losing Jensen, but they're at least moving in the right direction. It's, it's not just this backwards reversing truck anymore. Uh, go ahead, Tom. So I think one of the more uh, exciting things that'll be to, you know, to look forward to, or at least watching with Hartford this year is uh, the goaltending situation. Um, you know, as I think it was a couple of weeks ago where the Rangers announced that they had signed uh, Alexander uh, Georgiev, uh, you know, from, you know, from Finland uh, or if he played in Finland rather. And, you know, last year, 13-8-4 with a 1.70 goals against the 9.23 save percentage. Uh, his lifetime, you know, stat line in, uh, you know, the Finnish Liga, 18-19-6 with a 1.93 goals against and, you know, 9.12 save percentage, you know. He's only 21 years old. Um, I think that even if he's not the starter, it's going to be a young guy with potential who is going to sort of, you know, uh, to Brandon Halverson, who is a guy that, you know, the Rangers, you know, had drafted in the second round pretty high. They, you know, liked his ceiling. Um, and there'll be that competition there for the starting job. And I would say that maybe last year there wasn't that mindset. Um, you know, you had Magnus Helberg, who was a sort of looked at being potentially a Creel AHLer. And you had, you know, a little bit of Malcolm Skapsky, who's, you know, no longer with the organization. Um, situation where there's going to be competition, good thing, and you're going to have also a new look blue line because you're bound to have, you know, like Neil Pionk, and you'll have, well, Malcolm Scapsy, Mackenzie Scapsy, thank you. Um, you'll have a bunch of new defenders, which will sort of be exciting. Um, but yeah, Hartford's going to look a lot different this year, and it's a good thing because last year was their worst season in uh, franchise history. Yeah, and that's that's tough to come back from, right? With well, it's really the the new head coach there. He's Keith McCambridge. Uh, he's a guy who's in his early forties. It's obviously the Rangers are going to be pretty patient with him. If you know, it's it's not just Beck. It's Helberg, as Tom said, is gone. Uh, Jensen's gone. Um, Hrivik signed in Calgary. And pretty much anyone who did anything good last season in Hartford um, has moved on outside of a couple guys like uh, Nieves and Graves. So there are a few holdovers to work with, and that's important. But as we talked about a lot during the season, you know, there just wasn't, you know, there just wasn't a lot there in terms of guys who would be excited about all, all the young guys to be excited about for the Rangers were on the team with VC and Buchnevich and Brady Shea. So uh, it's hard to remember the last time the Rangers had three rookies making an impact. But uh, what's interesting to me is McCambridge there is the coach. He's a guy who was kind of like, you know, a, a staple in the AHL when during his playing career, he's a younger guy in his early forties and the Rangers uh, earlier this week, signed in his playing days most fans including myself recognized him as Joey Mormina but now he's he's a coach now so he's Joe Mormina but 
Uh, he's just one of those guys I remember from playing like old NHL games and seeing him on uh, on farm teams in the NHL. But he it was an assistant coach at Mercyhurst University. And uh, in the press release on Hartford, they talked about how he helped improve the offensive production of a bunch of the, the D there at Mercyhurst. But what's so interesting to me is he's, he's a six foot six defensive D during his playing career. And he's only, I think in his like 30, I forget what he is. I think he's like 36 or something. So, you know, his, his playing days are not far behind, like in his past. He, I think he didn't play last season, but he played the season before that. And so in, in some ways, this is the Rangers kind of, you know, Ken Jernander was obviously a staple of the Wolf Pack there. Um, but uh, going again with guys who have a lot of AHL experience, but I also like bringing in some young blood. I like the idea of kind of developing these guys um, and, and using guys who show some promise. Uh, it's it's a little surprising to me that they would go with a guy who has so little experience, but someone, I, I imagine that someone like Jury or someone in the organization must have known uh, Mormina or had, I'm not even sure. I tried to look to see if, I don't think McCambridge and uh, Mormina ever played together. Their careers didn't overlap in the AHL all that much, but uh, it is it is encouraging to see that change. It might be one of those things where we're all kind of, you know, saying, well, finally, you know, they're finally making a change there, but it is definitely something that needs to happen. And we're seeing you know, Tom's, you know, listing a bunch of guys, you know, Lettieri, Pedri, Pionk. There's obviously we know about the kind of the, the, the traffic jam on that third defensive pair for the Rangers. There's so many with Sean Day and everything. There's so many guys who we really need to develop the right way. And if Anderson is in, is in Hartford, you better bet that the Rangers want their seventh overall pick to develop the right way. Um, I, I'm excited to see what will happen because as Tom said, it was the, the worst season in Wolfpack history. So there's only room for improvement, but you hope there are so many, yeah, right. Uh, it, it could technically get worse. But it could, it could feasibly get worse. Yeah, As a Mets fan, I know don't this to be talk true. about it getting worse. Yeah, we're but trying I, to. I, I really like the idea podcast. of a younger group there. Yeah, we're trying to be. A- and um, go ahead, finish. Your go thought. ahead, Joe. Yeah, well, now go ahead. Just, I don't want to talk yeah. anymore. That's good. That's good because I was ready to just begin speaking. Um, the guys that Tom mentioned, Lettieri, um, Pedri, Pionk, or Poink, um, technically Poink. bear glaze off, although he has a, an out clause to the KHL. And Tom, the last guy Tom like brought Bruce. up, you get a full year of Tyroning, which you, you didn't have last year. You only had 12 games of. Makes it an enormous, enormous I difference. I like Tyroning. I do too, and I think he's he's going to be. I really do see him as an NHL player. He reminds me of a uh, a better Ryan Bork, if you will. Ryan Bork was another one of those guys who just uh, that's a name I haven't even. Yeah, I don't even I can know why he popped in my my head. He's a guy who's just like a career AHL scorer now. That's just what he yeah. does. I think he's with uh, the Hershey Bears. I'm gonna I'm checking out his. Well, he he has a brother, right? Who the Rangers like signed that yeah. one time? He's still he's still young. Was that he's Chris yeah, yeah. So they brought Ryan Bork Hershey. was a Rangers draft pick. 
he's not even he's not even good in the AHL actually. He had a couple of okays in Hartford last year. He had fourteen points in fifty three games. No points in twelve than playoff games. Well, I, well, I haven't played, so you don't even know what I've done. Maybe, Maybe I'm getting mixed up with Christian Thomas. You remember Christian no, Thomas? No, there's definitely – well, Christian Thomas oh, is another boy. one. He does have a brother who's – it is Chris Bork. He's he's older. He's about 29. Or, no, sorry, 31, who is a basically a point-per-game player. These are player all children of, of much better NHL players. Well, these are Ronnie, all children of, Bork, of Ray Bork. Well, yeah. At but least the Borks. Christian Ron, Thomas, Ronnie I think, is obviously Steve, not – Ronning is not Bork's child, if you, couldn't, if you didn't figure no, that one out. No, but he's Cliff Ronning's kid. He is Cliff Ronning's kid. Cliff Ronning. Cliff. And then there's Steve Thomas, Christian Thomas. Correct. Who is no longer a Ranger, for what it's worth, and hasn't been for a while. Well, these are, we're, we're kind of blasting from the past on this one. This yeah, this is fun. This is, yeah, we're just, we're traveling in a time machine. And there are Wasn't ultimately Tom going Thomas to be... Second round pick? Of, what'd you say? Wasn't Thomas a second round pick? One of them. Thomas was, was a second, like, second round I know, pick. Uh, Bork was a third round pick. Yeah. Well, to, Ronning was to a be fair. Yeah, t- Ronning let, two years ago was taking like, I think maybe with the third to last pick of the draft. Um, that was a great pick. It really was a great pick. Christian Thomas is he's with Montreal right now. He's only twenty five. He's got. Uh, oh, actually, he's not with Montreal. He got traded to Arizona. Um. He has a hair of NHL experience. We're talking 27 games worth. Um, but in the, in, in the NHL last year, he wasn't even a point-per-game player. So that's, that's a little... Well, not many players in the NHL are point-per-game players. It's, no, it's just like the, the NHL, guy who led the league had 80 points or something. Artem Anisimov led the league once in points, I think, in the NHL. Or had like you know 80 points. Joey Mormina. Or Joe Mormina, the new assistant coach in Hartford. I, I didn't realize this. I think this is pretty fucked up. There's an entire Wikipedia page dedicated to players who played only one game in the NHL, and Mormina's on the list. Really? It's a very peculiar you know, distinction. Yeah. It's more games we had. It's a lot more games than we had. Well, it's one more NHL game than we had. This is true. One. Is not a lot. If you more want to get zero. mathematical about it, it's just one. It is more. a lot more than zero. Although theoretically, we're since we're going down this road, it is in- infinitely bigger number. Ooh, it is because it's from nothing to one infinite. Wow. There you go. Last, Where does life last week it was Greek Joe? mythology. This week it's friggin' calculus or. Uh, really, it's basic counting, like kindergarten grade math. But we're gonna pretend that it's. It's on a higher level because it makes me feel better about myself. Joe, what did, what did dreams mean, Joe? My strong suit. So dreams are your brain cataloging the happenings of your life into memories and whatnot. And it's just what comes of that. Wow. Your subconscious, the things that you think about. What do you think dreams Tom, mean, Tom, what Mike? do you dream about? I want to. I want to know what Tom dreams about first. About what did you say? That's an interesting question. <laughs> You're breaking in and out. The that's potato chip empire that's eluding you. I would imagine that's what I would be dreaming about if I was you. 
I um I don't know what dream. I have seen myself die in my dreams before. I lose my teeth a lot in my dreams, and apparently okay, that means I'm afraid actually, of my mortality. That is, what did you just say? There's this whole like dream journal thing where, like dreams, certain reoccurring dreams for people are supposed to have some sort of meaning, and I think that losing your teeth means you're afraid of death or something. But I don't dream very often, but when I do, it's always horrible things. That is also interesting. Um, yeah, I've seen, I've, I've actually seen myself die in a dream a few times. Not That's like, not oh, you wake up when, right when it happens, like when the monster gets you or whatever it is. I've physically yeah. actually seen yeah. You jump scare yourself awake. Yes, yeah, seen myself be dead, which is interesting. One time I got run over by a monorail and, uh, Disney World. How sad is that? That's pretty. That's pretty damn sad. That's terrible. Sad, isn't it? It's supposed to be the happiest place on earth, but not when you're on the monorail tracks for unknown reasons. Imagine I am in a Mickey Mouse suit using a snow shovel to pick up what's ever left of you and put you in a garbage can. Wow, you have you have taken us to a remarkably dark place now. <laughs> Are you proud of yourself? Are you proud of what you've done? The sound, children listening to this show. The sound of that shovel on that wet asphalt, of... just picking up whatever's left of Joe. Yeah, this type of sick, twisted, just like gravesman. What's wrong with you, children? Yeah, it's a small world after all. God, now you're. We're gonna get sued by Disney. Is what's gonna happen? And I'm gonna blame you. I'm gonna tell them it was your fault. Um, you would look like it. Someone drops like a, a snow cone and it splatters on the on the oh asphalt. God, That's you're, what you're would be left of you. You're making it so much worse. I can't even tell you how much worse you've made it. A raspberry snow cone. Oh my God! Stop it! What is wrong with you? Um, with little chunks of fruit. In it. What else non-death related? Yeah, that's probably it. I don't know. I'm surprised we actually had this much. We haven't touched the haze thing at all, and it's like I said in the beginning, it's been a, a pretty big talking point um, of late for. Well, it, I think it's it's an important talking point because so much of next season kind of hinges on Hayes being a second line center, that experiment working. But I think we all kind of are at that consensus, at least the three of us where on paper, it makes sense, but it really, really depends on what AV does with them when he's not on even strength. Right. It's, it's the question of what the expectations are for Hayes versus what role he plays. Like, is he going to be killing penalties? Is he going to be actually on the power play on the second power play unit? Um, you know, I, I don't know. Well, that's the question just that surrounds AV for to... everything. Is he going to do the right thing? Yeah. He's going to do the right thing. But it's, it's so important with, with Hayes and Miller, they're both pending RFAs and he's a, Hayes is a 25 year old pending RFA. He's playing for his con- that contract, you know. Yeah, he needs he's he knows he needs a good year to get paid. He needs to get paid. Get paid, boy. Make that money. No, you get yourself paid. What? What did you say? All right. Well, Tom just Tom just raised a point in in the chat, that, which I haven't. Joe, who do you think? Well, that's why you run the show because you're so good at these things. Wait a minute. If the Rangers have to, oh, there you go. 
if if you're running this team, Joe, and you have to move one of them, Miller or Hayes, who do you move? Oh boy, that is a hell of a question. Um, I am. <laughs> my brain is telling me my my brain is telling me trade Hayes. My gut is telling me trade Miller for whatever that's worth. Yeah, but what what do you listen to? Your brain or your gut? Uh, my gut is winning right now. I think I keep Hayes. Tom, what do you think? Is Tom even there? Oh my God, Tom! This I question is ruined. Pose the question and just, just disappears. Like some oh, type of phantom. He's cutting out. Oh, he's cutting out. Well, it's even more depressing, I think. All right, Mike, you go. Who do you, do you think I subscription? Oh boy. I, I'm such a sucker for for Hayes' ability to generate offense and his and his size, but it's it's really tough for me. I like that Miller is that guy that clearly the front office liked. I mean he was I think before Shea, I think it was Miller who was the highest pick, right? Off the, I don't know, off the top of my head. Yeah, Miller was, was he like fifteenth. Actually overall? Miller was before yeah. Shea fifteenth, yeah. Yeah. And he was yeah. But uh, yeah. He, but I should say before, was it before Anderson? Is he the highest guy, right? Um, no, McElrath Stahl holds is... that honor. Oh God. No, Stahl, Stahl was, was well was before. 12th, yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, but he was way before Miller. Is my point. Um, if push comes to shove, I think I hold on to Hayes. Uh, but. I don't think it's easy. I think it's really close. Tom, what's your I, answer before your mic breaks up again? God damn it. God, it's like, it's like he's not even here. For me? Huh? <laughs> he sounds yeah, like a malfunctioning robot yes. in the small the world. Entire, the Disney world has been ruined. Tom, answer us in... In the chat, and we will we will say no. We cannot hear you at all. Not even close. Um, Sorry, I, Mike, I agree I'm with you. Just to kind of just to I there is a I know that Miller has more points than Hayes did. I know that Miller had a much better year last year than Hayes did. But there is something about Hayes that just it. it there's something about him that is not only intoxicating, but you really do think you're going to get a lot more out of him. You really do think there's just the even strength individual production on its own is worth what, what the risk would be. And Tom seems to agree. He thinks he would trade Miller because he costs more and and they could get a bigger return from him right now, which is a logical way to look at it. It is very true. Don't tell me what yeah, isn't true, son of a bitch. I'll tell you what's true. I'm just trying to fill in. Tom can't talk for himself, you idiot. So I'm talking in his steed, like some in type of steed or in his stead, yeah. Joe. Oh, it would be stead, wouldn't it? Or does that too run the gambit? God, you've you've ruined this podcast. You've not only have you hurt me, but you've ruined the podcast as well. Sorry, I got sunburned today. I'm cranky. I have a headache. If that makes you feel any better. I'm sorry. I didn't know that. See? Now you've now we've both hurt each other. 
How does that feel? How does it feel? It feels pretty good. To know that we've, we've both damaged each other's psyche. How does it feel that there are going to be kids who watch you get shoveled up by Mickey or crying their eyes out? Not well at all. Especially not with like Junior Rangers add... camp going on where these guys like D'Angelo and Hayes and Shea have all donated their time to the young children at Rangers camp. Rangers Junior camp, I should say. I feel bad. We lost. Tom is just listening sadly, but he uh, he can't add anything. Uh... All right. Well, th- this is the end of this because Mike ruined the podcast as usual. But before we go. Have a bitch. This Patreon, this uh, see, you already ruined everything. <laughs> this podcast is hosted by Patreon, Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Panther. Anthony Viola, Robert Courtney, Guy from Montana, Daniel DeGen, Eric Cohn, Matt Bader, George Lippman, Dan Lynch, Andrew Grigo, Stink Fleeman, John Reppy, Arch Williams, Igor Zetlovsky, Zachary Zetlin, Dan Carozzi, Alexander Thornton, Thomas Oso, Trevor Kepner, and Michael Silvers. Thank you all so much for donating. Thank you, everybody. You are donating to make I'm us. I'm so sorry. A better podcast, yes, and I apologize for my IQ ruins everything. Um, I'm not sorry to stink Fleeman though, because that can't be a name. He, I asked him if he wanted a new name, and he, his response was, "The stink is real." So, the stink is real. He sounds like that. Sounds like the name of a guy who runs a sideshow at a carnival. Stink <laughs> Fleeman. It does. It does. That's a fair point. Or like a guy. Oh, actually, I don't even know. I don't know. Um. Like a tattoo artist. Anywho, go to patreon.com slash blueshirtbanter. That is patreon.com slash blueshirtbanter. You can donate to the Patreon, and we will do things like get Skype subscriptions and microphones, and we already have for for Beth and and Mike, and we need to get one for Tom, obviously, because the mic wasn't working. Apparently, uh, we have to get one for Tom, because it sounded like he was making love to an Android every other minute there. Ooh, making love to an Android. That's interesting. Well, it's a lot more passionate when you say making love as opposed to a more vulgar word. Um, Adam was annoyed that we were going to talk about his pod, his prospect rankings without him, but oh, we yeah, ended up if, yeah we ended up not we'll talking about it at all. So, so maybe he'll come but on next week. If you haven't read Adam's prospect rankings, uh, I, I like to think that my summer survival guide is the highlight of every summer of Blue Shirt Banner, but it's really not. Adam it is an amazing image. Into, uh, into his prospect rankings. If you haven't checked him out, definitely do. He knows he, he spends so much time on it. He watches so much film. He breaks things down. You know, he, he, he watches guys from I don't even know how many leagues to get an idea of, of how these kids are coming along. And uh, if you want to know who the Rangers of tomorrow and what they're going to be like, that's the best place on the Internet to look is is his prospect rankings. Yeah, it is. Behind Mike's summer survival guide, which might be the greatest piece of writing every year, it is uh, it is an incredible, incredible amount of work. He does it twice a year too, so you'll get to see one at some point. Uh, get to see one at some point in the middle of the year. Although we didn't do it last year because the Rangers farm system was so depressing. Um, all right, like I said, Patreon.com/slash Blue Shirt Banter. If you go, you can pay for things like giving us money to money. make us better. You know you want to. You make plenty of money. Buy Beth wine. You can buy Beth. Make maybe bail her out of jail if she ever decides to lick Brady Shea like she promised she was going to. You know, there's lots of 
there that uh, we do. So that is that. You can follow Mike at twitter.com slash digdeepbsb, me at um, Blue Shirt Banter. Mike is also the lead women's writer at FanRake Sports because he is the most talented person that I've ever worked with. Um, and Tom at uh, I'm sure it's it's twitter.com slash Tom U-R-T-Z Jr. Um, yeah. And Mike is the most talented I was, person I want to ask. I want to ask everyone who's a junior if they're going to continue the the line, you know, if they're going to have a third. There's going to be a Tom Ertz, Tom Ertz the third. It's interesting. That's definitely it's a, a question everyone who's a junior has to face. It's like, do I continue this or do I break the tradition? Hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you, Joe. If, sure. If, let's say you're. Your grandfather was named uh, Bootface Fortunato. Okay. And then your dad is named like Michael Fortunato, but you were born. Your dad named you after his dad, so you're Boot Bootface Fortunato. Are you Bootface Fortunato Jr.? No. You are not. You're not. No. Junior. It has to be a direct line. It has to be. I'm almost positive it has to be a direct lineage. I don't think you can. That's what I always thought. Yeah, because then, yeah, there's, that's the that's the way that it works. Because then there's a third and a fourth and a fifth, and you can't you can't go down that that road the other way. All right. Well, um, thank you, Michael. Thank you, Tom, who is not here anymore because his his internet. Thanks everybody. But uh, yeah, 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 yeah. If you have time. Please go to iTunes and say nice things about us on the clicky rating thing. Mm, yes, you should. That's right. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, just subscribe. Go in, give us five stars, and write a comment, a nice comment that maybe talks about how funny I am or how Mike smells Don't like a bag of peas. That's right. You smell like peas. Well, at least that's an earthy smell, I would imagine. I wouldn't mind smelling like that. I would think so as well. I would think so as well. Do peas grow um, in the dirt or out of the dirt? I think they grow out of the dirt. Beans definitely grow out of the dirt. Yes. Tell you what, we'll we'll have that answer for you next next week. We'll figure, we will. we'll figure that out. Because <laughs> I don't want to Google search it and type it and have Joe yell at me for typing again. Yes. Well, I feel like that's what destroyed. this. The entire thing. She might. She's a professor. All right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. You know who would we'll know this you... show is Blue Apron who? would know it. Now we can read Blue, uh, Blue Apron would 100% know it. That's a good point. We should ask them. Peas. Good night. Donate to the podcast. I'm sorry. Good Back night, everybody. Whale. Thank you. <laughs>